The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Well, this has certainly been a bit of a fun week. On this edition of the Pigpen Podcast, we'll talk about the benching of Dwayne Haskins. The great Ben Standing of The Athletic is going to jump on and join us for a conversation as to what we should expect this weekend and what this week has been like from the quarterback position. I'll give you some keys to the game. All that's coming up. Drink up that diesel. What's good? Welcome to the Big Ben Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. Well, what a uh, hectic past few days it has been here in the nation's capital. We just, we don't ever make things easy, do we? I love this organization uh, until I die, but they are doing their absolute best to take a few years off of my life with some of the decisions that they're making. Uh, of course, the Dwayne Haskins benching is something that caught me a bit off guard. Not the not so much the benching itself, because I'm not going to sit up here and pretend like Dwayne Haskins had been playing great. In fact, I said on last podcast, I thought he was better, but he still wasn't perfect. You know, you can't just look at the box score when evaluating Dwayne Haskins and say, well, he's coming off his best game yardage-wise. 
while that is accurate, there are still some very uh, obvious glaring things that he messed up on last week. So the benching itself was not completely out of the blue. I think the timing of it is more what caught me off guard. Uh, as always, if this is your first time listening, be sure to subscribe to the Hogshaven podcast feed. And if you're not a member uh, of Hogshaven.com, be sure to go over and do that. In just a few moments, we will get to a conversation with Ben Standing of The Athletic. Really great insight as to what these past few days have been like around the facility and what we can expect. And then following that conversation, we'll get into a little bit of keys uh, of the game for this week against Los Angeles. Now, originally, when I was kind of mapping out this podcast, one of the key talking points uh, this was prior to the benching of Dwayne Haskins. Uh, one of the key talking points was going to be debating and philosophizing as to, I don't even know if philosophizing is a word, but we're just going to roll with it that it is. But I was going to be debating how the hell is Jalen Ramsey, who started a full-blown fistfight last week, how is he playing? Like you would think the NFL would have taken some sort of measure to suspend him after he caused a straight-up fistfight last week at midfield after a football game but because they're playing the Washington football team this weekend I guess the NFL has just completely done away with all forms of disciplinary action because remember at one point Josh Norman got fined like money out of his pocket for doing a bow and arrow celebration because according to the NFL that promoted violence yet Jalen Ramsey is fighting a human being like punches thrown And according to the Giants, Ramsey was the guy that threw the first punch. Yet no suspension. He's good. He's playing. Whatever. Now that was going to be the major talking point. If if you have a realistic answer as to why Jalen Ramsey is not suspended, please let me know on Twitter at Denton underscore day. But of course, then the Dwayne Haskins stuff happened. And these are kind of my my thoughts on this. I'm not not, uh, super, super pumped, obviously. I've been a pretty big Dwayne Haskins supporter at no point. Have I ever thought this was going to be a good thing for Dwayne Haskins? I have a degree of optimism, and I've been very proud of my optimism, especially during the uh, the midst of a global pandemic, because prior to the pandemic, just a little insight on my life, I wasn't exactly Captain Optimism. But hey, you know, 2020, new year, new me, change is coming. I become a lot more optimistic over the course of this pandemic. I am not optimistic to the point where this is going to make Dwayne Haskins a perennial pro bowler for this organization because he's going to get to sit back and learn behind Kyle Allen. I just don't see that as a realistic possibility as to how this is going to pan out for this franchise. I question the decision making. I understand it to an extent because Dwayne Haskins wasn't making the plays needed to win football games. I was going to crock uh, scratch my eyes out. I was going to say crawl my eyes out, but that doesn't even make remote sense. I was going to scratch my eyes out if I continued to see Dwayne Haskins throwing fadeaway passes, because I swear he did about six of those against the Ravens. And you can flash the box score in front of my face. I recognize that. Trust me, I've been called four eyes all of my life. I can read a box score, but he wasn't making the throws. He wasn't making the plays. And then there was that fourth down thing, right? We've talked at great lengths about that fourth down play. I think the idea of Ron Rivera testing the quarterback is a little strange. I think it's worse that he got out in front of the media and said, hey, this was a test and he didn't pass. So that was really, really weird. But I don't like the idea of them just flipping the script here. Like, I don't, I don't really like the idea of, oh, this is a rebuild year, trust the rebuild, this is a rebuild, and then all of a sudden four games in, actually, you know, we're going to flip the script, we're going to see if we can win. Because Kyle Allen doesn't fix the offense's problems. 
the offense's problems were more than just Dwayne Haskins. And I've read some of the reports about him not preparing the way that he should. And if that is the case, if that's 100% the God honest truth, then yeah, he should be benched. 100%. If he's not preparing the way he should, he should be benched. I don't want Dwayne Haskins to be the next Jamarcus Russell, right? We've all heard the story of Jamarcus Russell being handed a DVD by his, uh, this is back when DVDs were a thing, so it's like 2007 for all you young people out there. Uh, he was handed a DVD of plays, and his coaches wanted him to go watch it. He came in the next day and said, yeah, I watched every single play on there, when in reality, they'd given him a blank DVD. So they knew, all right, this guy's going to be a problem. And I'm not saying Dwayne Haskins is that bad, but if his preparation isn't where it needs to be, and if there are other guys on the roster, namely Alex Smith, who are preparing better, and of course, Alex Smith is a guy that knows how to prepare. He's been a start in the league for such a long time, but he's the guy that Dwayne Haskins is supposed to be looking up to. That's the guy that Dwayne Haskins should be asking questions. He's supposed to be mentoring Dwayne Haskins, when in reality, it's not actually Alex Smith's job to be mentoring Dwayne Haskins. It's just a guy that Dwayne Haskins should see, say, all right, this is how he is doing it. I should do something very similar. Well, if Alex Smith is preparing the way that Alex Smith prepares normally and Dwayne Haskins isn't, and these are the results that we're getting on the field, I understand that. But Kyle Allen doesn't fix everything. And you can flash his record in front of my face all you want. Oh, he's 6-7 and seven as a starter. That's not terrible. That's, I mean, hell, that's better than some of the quarterbacks we've had uh, over the course of this millennium. So I get that, but... Six and seven as a starting record without context looks okay. Six and seven as a starting record with the context being that six of those seven losses were consecutive and they also just happened to be his final six games in Carolina. You kind of look at this decision a little bit differently. You wonder, well, if this is the case, if you really want to win, why did you not put Alex Smith in there? Ron Rivera said, oh, we know he's a little rusty. Well, okay. Uh, I mean, I understand and I've been one of the many to say that, you know, I'd be a little uncomfortable with Alex Smith playing football again, just knowing all of the the details of his situation and, and watching the Project 11 documentary, which uh, was a fantastic documentary, but seeing all those things, like, it does make me a bit uncomfortable uh, to see Alex Smith out there playing football again. And I really don't want him to have his first game back against Aaron Donald, right? Like, I think we could get that out there. I don't want to see, I mean, if J.J. Watt was the guy they got to him last time, like, Aaron Donald is... Aaron Donald's playing at another level this year, so I don't want Alex Smith's first game back to be against Aaron Donald, but at the same time, if we're really talking about winning here, there is absolutely no way that you can say Alex Smith gives your team worse of a chance to win than Kyle Allen. Like, Kyle Allen is not fixing all of the issues here. There are still personnel issues. That's that's the thing that I really don't understand. If we were in this rebuild process, rebuild process, rebuild process, and now we're flipping the script, are we just going to build out some of those other holes on offense? We know Terry McLaurin is awesome. We know Antonio Gibson is awesome. Everyone else, not really that awesome. I like Isaiah Wright. I think he's played well. I've seen spurts from him. But are we just going to say, oh, yeah, that guy's definitely wide receiver too? I don't don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're there with Dontrell Inman. I want to see a lot more from my boy Antonio Gandy-Golden. Logan Thomas isn't a true number one tight end. Like Kyle Allen doesn't fix those issues. So while our defense is good enough to win us games outright as long as the offense can put some form of points on the board and ideally, you know, in the first quarter or second quarter, you know, before the third quarter in garbage time where the defenses just kind of sit back a little bit. Now, yes, I do think we can win some games, but... I don't know if they can win us enough games to where we can be competing for a spot in the postseason. 
And I know our division sucks, but you, you look at the other teams in our division, and while Dallas's defense is atrocious, their offense isn't. I mean, Dak Prescott is putting up ridiculous numbers. I think he's on pace for over 6,000 yards right now, which is just absolutely stupid. I love watching it because I love watching Dak Prescott play well while the Cowboys lose because it's like my favorite two things in the world. But I just, I question the decision-making a little bit here. Now, I do still trust Ron Rivera. Now, I haven't lost that trust in him yet, but I'm questioning what is the, what's the goal here? Like, if you realistically think your team can compete, sure, go with Alex Smith. That seems like the logical option because I don't, I don't see Kyle Allen as that guy. Remember, he, he did kind of get Ron Rivera fired in Carolina. Not all, it's not all on Kyle Allen, but he did kind of get Ron Rivera fired in Carolina. And if you're the Kyle Allen truther in there, don't think, listen, I, I was a little bit easy on Dwayne Haskins operating under the assumption that this was a rebuilding year. Well, now that we are trying to win football games, Look, we're going we're gonna to come after Kyle Allen if he's not winning us some football games. It's really that simple. A lot of pressure on the shoulders of Kyle Allen. Fair or unfair, that's the situation when you're taking over for a first-round pick quarterback, and now the goal for this team that we thought was rebuilding, well, now their goal is to win. So it's a lot of pressure on the shoulders of, of Kyle Allen there. We'll see this weekend if he can end up living up to that pressure. All right, now let's get into our conversation with Ben Standig. Of course, uh, you know Ben. Covered, covers the team for the Athletic. He's been around the city for years and years and years. So real great conversation with him. Let's dive into that now. Super excited. Welcome on the next guest to the podcast, the great Ben Standig, covering the Washington football team for the Athletic. You can find him on Twitter, at Ben Standing. Ben, I know your schedule's been hectic. It's been uh, probably the most hectic it's been in this franchise for a very long time. Over the past 36 hours, I appreciate you taking some time. How are you, man? Hey, I'm I'm doing okay. You know the the, the summer, uh, the two months of there of the summer where everything went, went went haywire, primed me for anything. So a quarterback change, no big deal. But nonetheless, yes, it's meant a little more work in the last uh, 24 hours or so. Now, originally when I reached out to you to uh, to jump on and do this pod, I, I figured we were going to be cracking some jokes and pondering how Jalen Ramsey, who started a full-blown fistfight last week, was going to be playing this week. And then about 24 hours after I hit you up, we got the news, Dwayne Haskins getting benched. What has the, the, the past 36-ish hours been like for you? Well, um, just in the context of trying to figure this out, it's it's all been a bit confusing even before they made the announcement when uh, Wednesday morning, when the news started to break, I um, spoke to, uh, or sorry, I wrote for the athletic about all the confusing things that have been going on because the, the take I was getting from myself, but also from others was just how weird things were. Obviously the, the whole stuff with like Rivera and the timeouts in, in the second and third week, why he wasn't calling them late. Then in the fourth game, he, he's testing Dwayne on that fourth and goal uh, from the 13-yard line, but then he's punting the next possession from midfield. He's getting called timeouts late in the game, but then simultaneously, Dwayne doesn't seem to understand that he didn't pass the test, the situa- situational awareness test that Rivera gave to him. And then that's not even factoring in just, you know, so many other things happening with with the players and and, and off the field. And then and then so I was already confused, and then this happened, and I don't know. I, I mean, I. I still, I, mean, I think I understand kind of what's going on. It's just so unconventional to see a coach kind of do what Rivera has been doing. And while, you know, look, benching quarterbacks happen. It's not that big of a deal. Even for a young quarterback, I, I know people are like, well, wait, why are you benching this guy? He's only in his second year. He's only started 11 games. 
if he needs experience, how is he going to get it spinning? And like I sort of get all that, but at the same point, you know, Rivera didn't draft Haskins. And, you know, I, I do believe I thought all along that this season was about setting the tone for next season. And if they don't think that they their offense can completely um, be in use as desired because the quarterback is just not experienced enough, I, I do understand making that change. It doesn't mean that it, it it's, that it's not odd, though, and especially after only four games when you preach patience all summer. But here we are. So, yeah, it, it remains confusing, even if I sort of understand kernels of the situation. Now, this offseason, we'd heard so many great things about Dwayne Haskins. He's such a hard worker. They love the way that he, he's handled the situation, given the, the coronavirus pandemic. And it went so far as to where they made him a captain. And then he reports today are that his preparation was lackluster. He wasn't up to par with some of the other quarterbacks. Were we lied to about this offseason, or was there a point in time where he kind of became a little complacent? Yeah, Haskins, you mean? Um, you know what? So, so here's the thing. So going back to the summer – you know, uh, you know, it was weird, right? There was no preseason game. So the only reports that were coming out were from those of us who were there at camp. And, you know, we did get to see, you know, two hours of practice during camp. And, you know, we then would talk to people on Zoom. And, and whether we were talking to Ron or to other players, there was a lot of, um, you know, hey, Dwayne is maturing. Dwayne is this. And it seemed reasonable. But one thing I kept noticing was that whenever Rivera in particular would talk about would praise Dwayne, it wasn't for his play. It was often about – um, you know, his you know, leadership and sort of intangible aspects, but not necessarily his play. Now, has anything changed since the season started? I, you know, it, it, I, I can't say for sure. I, I will just say, and I wrote about this um, in The Athletic, I wrote about this in September, and then also circled back to it yesterday, was that, you know, part of the issue last year was, even when at a point early in the year when people thought he should be getting first-team reps and doing more work, was that there was a real sense that he wasn't putting in the work needed as a young player at any position, but it's particularly a quarterback. And that was part of the reason that they were holding him back. So when you hear that, you know, that may be what's going on again, it's not surprising to me because we've heard it before. So even though the reports that were sort of coming out this summer about this improvement, you know, it's all relative to, you know, you know, I guess here's the thing. For Ron Rivera, he's trying to figure this kid out. He didn't, you know, he wasn't here last year. He, he, he doesn't know. You know, yes, there were some, there are still some people in the building who were around, but it's up to Rivera to figure these things out. And, you know, it looked like Dwayne was, was listening, you know, and doing the right things. But, you know, just look at his play. I mean, he still, he still has, you know, flaws and still makes mistakes. And not that he can't make mistakes, but it just feels like some of the ones he's making – are just a bit too elementary and uh you know that comes to some degree with work right i mean they're just like with any of any job any of us have you shouldn't be making certain mistakes at certain points in your career and if you are then you have to ask do you not get it or do you not are you not putting in the work so it does kind of connect to, to what you know to what we see out there from haskins um and i know he threw for 300 yards last week but the offense you know was, was a pretty basic one a lot of yards after the catch um, you know, I think they were doing what was necessary to try to help him, but not necessarily what they would do under normal circumstances. Final question, as it specifically relates to Dwayne himself, there's been a pretty broad reaction across the spectrum of this is really, really good for Dwayne Haskins to where this is bad and he's done with Washington. As far as that spectrum goes, where do you fall on what this move means for his career? Well, I mean, I know Rivera left the door open. Hey, we're not down, we're not down on Dwayne. We just felt that 
under the circumstances, you know, with the, you know, he talks about the, the upcoming schedule, the NFC East being, you know, a disaster, and that you know there was an opportunity to maybe you know win some games here and get themselves in a good position. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how much I believe that all that. Um, you know, look, if, if you're if you're going to make this move on Dwayne, I don't think you do it if you truly believe that he's going to be your guy. Um, now, maybe you know, look, I'm not saying people can't improve. But I'm just saying, if you really bought into this kid, I think you let him play through the mistakes as you had discussed. So I don't think this is good for Dwayne. I understand that there's, you know, there's the opportunity to learn and to and to do more work and things along those lines. But I, I don't, I wouldn't view this as good news. And if you made me predict right now, which you're not, but I guess I'll do it for myself. Like, is the twenty is the twenty twenty one starting quarterback on this roster? I would guess no. So with that, we'll transition to the guy that is starting this week. And Ron Rivera said that Kyle Allen's going to be evaluated on a game-by-game, week-by-week basis. So what kind of pressure is on Kyle Allen? Does it almost feel like it's win or bust for him this week? Um, it's probably not win or bust. I think it's probably just efficiency or bust to some degree. And, it, you know, I don't, I don't know if I totally buy the Rivera. I mean, yes, he did say week-to-week. He absolutely said that. But he also said yesterday – the, or on uh, Wednesday, the idea of like he looks at the schedule in like sort of uh, four quadrants of the four weeks. So I think I would guess Kyle has a little bit more time. He said today, I asked about, well, why not? If you're, if you're going for wins, why not go to Alex Smith right now if you're making him active? And he said that, you know, Alex still has some rust to, to, to knock off. So um, I think the thing with Kyle Allen, and, and people pointed to this last year, yes, Carolina cratered as the season went on and his play got progressively worse. But what he did do was, he was able to make plays within within the system. He was able to get the ball down the field, to hit receivers, be aggressive. I'm not saying that necessarily translates to wins, but ultimately on some level, they need to figure out what they have, both on multiple fronts. What what players do they have that they can build on going forward? Even Scott Turner's system, what what works, what doesn't? Um, what types of players do they need to get in next year? That, that type of thing it also applies to the defense as well, but – you know, I think Kyle Allen probably, at least in their minds and probably in reality, gives them a better chance to fully evaluate everything than where Dwayne is because not only does Kyle Allen seem to have a better handle on the system, but he'll, he's probably, it appears to be more likely more willing to make some aggressive throws that gives them, you know, gives them some more options. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I said all along, I don't think this is about Kyle Allen, future starting quarterback for, the, for this team long haul. I just think it's more about, gives them a better chance to be successful maybe to immediately, but also a better chance to fully evaluate everything they kind of have on their roster. From what you've seen this week in practice, how has Kyle Allen looked? Uh, you know, honestly, I, I, we, we don't see enough. I mean, all we see is the very basic, you know, quarterback drills and, and we're really not much of a, of a test. We basically see them stretch <laughs> and then some, some basic light tossing to a receiver running around nothing without a defender there so really nothing um you know the biggest thing you can grasp for things like body language or if a player's coming off an injury how are they moving stuff like that which obviously doesn't really apply to Kyle Allen so you know honestly we don't really see we don't really see much uh, enough to make any real assessment so you said that you have a theory that the starting quarterback for next year is not on this roster within the last 36 hours on social media, if you had to give a rough estimate, how many tank for Trevor messages or tank for Trevor tweets or pictures of Trevor Lawrence or what have you, how many of those have you gotten over the past 36 hours? <laughs> well, honestly, not that many. I think in part because when Rivera comes out and says 
that part of the reason they're doing this is to win games. Like, I mean, I don't mean this to be like in a jerky way, but if you were really going to quote unquote tank and obviously tanking really never applies to the players and the coaches, it applies to sort of roster and lineup manipulation. Uh, but it, you know, if you were going to go down that route, if you don't feel confident in Dwayne, then you would stay with, 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 with him and let him play the season out, see what he does. And then, you know, worst case scenario, one and three turns into three and 13 again, and, and you move forward. If you're going for wins, if you actually think Kyle Allen gives you a better chance, well, that's going opposite of tanking, right? So um, it's, it may end up that way. It may end up that, that regardless of what Kyle Allen does, they don't win games. But, um, yeah, I mean, it feels like they're going opposite of that, which, look, it's a tough world. You can't just – I get the idea, like, you can't blow off any opportunity ever in sports because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, look, we're, we're living in a pandemic. Nobody was predicting this at this time of year ago, right? <laughs> so, so you never know what's going to happen. But at the same time, you know, the, the most direct path to getting a, a, a starting quarterback is through the draft. And it appears right now that there's three quarterbacks that could be like pick somewhere around the top five or top ten at least. And, you know, if you the, the further you are away from the first pick, the less likely it is you're going to get one of those three. And there could be other guys by then, but right now it seems like there's three guys headlined by Trevor Lawrence. And, uh, you know, if you're already sort of moving off of Dwayne, that would seem to be the way to go, especially when it's not as if the – the, the the other quarterback that you're going to, like if they were going to a healthy Alex Smith, all right, maybe we have a different conversation, right? Because he's obviously a proven viable, you know, solid to strong NFL starter. We're not, we're going to a guy who, you know, looks like an NFL backup. So the odds of success are, are not great. Therefore it's not like even if they were to somehow win the division that anybody's going, Oh, watch out for Washington. I, I grant you the season is still, the playoffs are still weeks and weeks away. So who knows what the world looks like, but um so yeah, I, I guess ultimately it doesn't feel like they're feels like the opposite of tanky. They're they're trying to apparently go for it, which okay, well I guess we'll just see. So we got the Rams this weekend. Chase Young practiced today. I know a lot of fans questioning whether or not we'll be able to see Chase Young. Do you expect to see him? And if so, in what capacity this weekend? Um, you know, Ron Rivera has made a big point of saying it's not enough to just say how they look in practice. You have to see how they look the next day. So you know, look, obviously Chase Young's a young guy. Um, you know, he's been, um, you know, trying to, to get back out there. But, you know, they're going to be very cautious. Rivera looks like he's pretty conservative with injuries in general and probably even more so here because of the you know, prize nature of Chase Young. But at the same point, he just sort of put the team on the clock to some degree and we want to try to win some of these games. Um, I think the Rams is the toughest on paper of the next four or five that they have. But, you know, okay, if you're going to – if you're now claiming you're going to try – well, then I guess you need as much out there as you can. So I, I really don't know what to make of Chase Young's situation. But, again, Rivera's been conservative, uh, but at least he got back on the field today, Chase Young, and that's a good sign. Should we lightly pencil this weekend's game in as the KOC revenge game? Is that something we should be doing? Uh, probably not. <laughs> I don't think. I'm going to guess he's fine. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, look, I mean, he, he landed in a pretty good spot. Being the OC with, or right, he's the OC, right? Uh, yeah. With, with Sean McVay in LA, I mean, uh, man, you know, he's on a better team. Um, you know, these, these guys in, the, in this in this business, I think they all understand how this works. Ron Rivera clearly wanted to bring his guys in. Scott Turner is one of his guys, and so I don't think I, I suspect Kevin O'Connell is fine. Uh, you know, he wasn't like I don't think he was really in position to get the head coaching job or anything. So, you know, I, I think he's okay. 
Now, a couple weeks ago against Arizona, just a few more questions for you here, Ben. A couple weeks ago against Arizona, uh, the offensive line did a really good job handling Chandler Jones, who was playing fantastic football. This week, they have maybe the biggest challenge yet with Aaron Donald. How do you anticipate the offensive line is going to figure out some form of way to stop the beast that is Aaron Donald? Well, it's a great question. They're already without Brandon Sheriff, and now Wes Schweitzer, who has done a pretty good job in filling in. He hasn't practiced the last two days. Uh, I think it was an elbow injury. I don't have the list in front of me, but I think it was elbow. So, you know, that's a big question because now if he doesn't play, you know, Josh Garnett, who's been on the practice squad, they would have to, like, not just – they don't have any more free moves to to, uh, to put him – to bring him up. They would have to actually sign him to 53 and cut somebody. But that would be, you know, a huge – I don't want to say drop-off because I don't know, but obviously if you're already down to your third-string guard – that would be rough. But then on top of it, it's not like Wes Martin is like a proven entity, a left guard, right? So uh, there would be, uh, you know, then Chase Rie has been fine in the middle. But, yes, that would be a huge, uh, a really rough time to have inexperienced a left guard, your third string right guard. And even if it is Wes Schweitzer, again, Wes Schweitzer, not Russ Grimm or, or even Brandon Sheriff. But, like, he's, he looks okay so far. So, yeah, tomorrow I think is a big day for him to see, you know, can he actually get back out there because otherwise – yeah, they're going to have an even more compromised offensive line going against, you know, probably the best defensive lineman in the league. Are there any matchups on paper that you feel like the team needs to do its absolute best to exploit never to co- in order to come out victorious on Sunday? Well, I mean, I'd be lying if I told you I had studied the Rams a ton because of what's been going on. I, I guess I would just simply say, you know, for me, most games, like I don't be, I'm not, I typically am not looking at this team in terms of how do they win because I haven't had that, those kind of expectations. Uh, I've been I've been buying Rivera's patience approach. I, I would just simply say, you know, looking at it from the offense's perspective, you know, how, you know, how much more aggressive can they be in the passing game with Kyle Allen? What does that do for their other pieces? Terry McLaurin's obviously been pretty interesting statistically so far, but you know, is there more? Is there more there? Uh, you know, do any of the other guys? Uh, look, look, look better. Does Kyle Allen getting, you know, seeing what the defense can get in, getting rid of the ball quicker, perhaps? Does that help make the offensive line look better? So I just think on that, and they just have to do their own thing, you know, regardless of Rivera's take on a playoff push or not. They got to look more efficient. They got to give themselves a puncher's chance, and if they if they do that, that's going to help the defense just by the nature of time of possession and snaps, which is something they were able to do last week. They won those battles against Baltimore, but obviously they, they just didn't have enough. So. Um, you know, I would just say, I would just say that as much as as much as anything. So, final question, kind of a bit of a two-parter here with the matchup coming up this week, and I know it's Thursday, so don't feel like you're locked into this pick by any stretch of the imagination. But how do you foresee this weekend going, and then how do you foresee Kyle Allen playing this weekend? Well, um, it's weird. So far this year, I have been I've been perfect in both picking the the win loss of the Washington game as well as the point spread. Um, I don't, I don't actually know what the point spread is. I heard seven, I heard 10. I don't know what was accurate, but I mean, I'm not expecting a win. The Rams, I mean, they, they struggled last week against the Giants. They still won and have looked you know, largely pretty good so far. Look, I think Kyle Allen could give them a spark. If nothing else, like I said, I think he'll be more aggressive, be more efficient than what we saw from Haskins. You know, I know people will say, well, what do you mean efficient? Haskins' his completion percentage last year is pretty good. Sure, but, you know, it's in a very conservative uh, approach. I think, I, look, Con Allen has not played in a football game since December, right? There was no preseason. He didn't get a lot of first team reps during camp. So, you know, he's going to be, logically, I think he'll be rusty as well. He, he at least has been practicing as the primary backup. 
and he knows the system. So, you know, we'll it's, it's just such a weird year. It's really hard to know what to make of. We'll see from him. But, you know, again, there, there are some positives in his direction. And, and uh, you know, I, I think he'll look okay. But, I mean, that's all relative. I'm not expecting him to come out and be a world beater. And, you know, as long as he can just help the offense be, you know, move move the ball and just be efficient, I keep saying that, I, I think that will be considered a win almost regardless. Ben, I greatly appreciate the time. I know this week has been you know, chaotic, as we've mentioned. You and your colleagues at The Athletic are doing a fantastic job covering it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week, whatever that does mean, and we'll catch up again soon. Hey, I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. So there was the conversation with Ben Stanig of The Athletic. Real great stuff. Big thanks to Ben for jumping on and taking a few moments out of his day. I know this, this time has been exceptionally hectic for all of our beat reporters, so big shout-out to Ben there. Now let's talk about the game this weekend. How are we feeling? This this is kind of an open space. How are we feeling about the game this weekend? Because I'm optimistic to a degree because I don't... Here's the thing. When it comes to the Los Angeles Rams, I do my best to stay somewhat informed with teams across the nation. I mean, I host a nationally syndicated football show on Sunday, so I have to pay attention to all these other teams. When I look at the Los Angeles Rams, there's a couple different tiers of teams in the way that I view them. In the NFL, there are the teams that I know for sure are good. Baltimore is one of those teams. You know, Kansas City is one of those teams with a healthy Cam Newton, like New England, Green Bay, Seattle. You get the idea. We know which teams are actually legitimately good. Then there's the teams that I'm not 100% sure on. And then there's the teams where their record is really good, but they aren't. Chicago is that team. There's like one team in there, and it's Chicago. But there's a lot of other teams that I'm not 100% sure if they're good or if they've just had a you know, a very nice schedule so far. And I, I think the Rams are in that bunch because I'm not 100% sold on Jared Goff. And I really haven't ever been. I think he's put up some good numbers, but I don't know if I'm sold on him as a guy that can is a really, really great quarterback. I think he's a guy that is still prone to turning the ball over if you can put some pressure on him. And that's what makes me like our chances this weekend because I'm expecting Chase Young to be back in some capacity. I don't know what that capacity is, but I'm expecting we're going to see Chase Young on the field. And I'm expecting Chase Young to introduce himself to Jared Goff because in the games that Chase Young has played more than a quarter in, he has introduced himself to the opposing team's quarterback, right? He's been on an absolute tear. He's lived up to all of the hype so far when he plays more than a quarter more than half, whatever you played against Cleveland. So I'm expecting Chase Young and the defensive line to get pressure on Jared Goff, and I do think that will fluster him. And their receivers, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, I'd like them, but I don't see them as great wide receivers. And we talked about this with Fred Smoot last week. I like our defensive backfield. You know, I think the guys have been playing very, very well. You know, we faced off against some really good wide receivers. Odo Beckham Jr. and DeAndre Hopkins are right at the top. And we've seen now against what, based on what Odo Beckham Jr. did against Dallas, and what I tried to tell you, Odo Beckham Jr. is still a very good wide receiver. And don't listen to everybody who says, oh, Odo Beckham Jr. is washed. He's not top 10. He's not top 5, whatever. That's not true. Odo Beckham Jr. is a damn good football player, and our defense did a good job holding him in check. So I feel like with the talent that Los Angeles has on their offense, our defense is very capable of holding those guys in check. That's why I'm optimistic. Now, my question, and this is, this is something that no one right now actually has the answer to, 
is what are we actually going to get from Kyle Allen? Because while I'm not a huge fan of the actual decision, the decision's been made. Like, I'm not going to sit here and bitch and complain and say, well, Dwayne could do this better. I would rather Dwayne Haskins play, but if Kyle Allen's the guy that the offense is going with, if Kyle Allen is the guy that Ron Rivera is going with, Kyle Allen is the guy. So what is he going to give us on offense? I'm looking forward to Terry versus Jalen Ramsey, of course. I've said this every single week. The only guy so far that I have seen, or the only thing, because it's really a force, it's like this overarching force, the only force that has stopped Terry McLaurin is us. There has yet to be a defensive back that has quote-unquote held the man in check. No one puts the straps on Terry McLaurin. Patrick Peterson couldn't do it. The Ravens had two different guys. They couldn't do it. Denzel Ward couldn't do it. Darius Slay couldn't do it. And I'm not going into this game anticipating that Jalen Ramsey is going to be the one to do it. I respect Jalen Ramsey as a great player. Obviously, his paycheck is huge. He got paid like an elite player. And we have seen elite performances from Jalen Ramsey. But if I'm Terry McLaurin, I'm, I'm not exactly scared of that guy. You know, he doesn't strike fear, I would hope, in the in the heart of Terry McLaurin. And we've seen Jalen Ramsey have a degree of struggles against guys that are really good wide receivers. So I'm expecting another solid performance from Terry McLaurin. Is he going to go over 100 yards? Who knows? Are we going to throw the ball deep? Because I think that's the answer to that question. We've seen what he can do in terms of yards after the catch. Well, just imagine what he can do when we're actually throwing the ball deep to the guy. So I'm expecting big things from Terry McLaurin, and I'm expecting big things from Antonio Gibson. That's the key number one to the game. Put the ball in the hands of the playmakers. We have a new quarterback. We're trying something different this week. Make Kyle Allen's job easier by putting the ball in the hands of the guys that know what to do with it best. And through four weeks, that's Terry McLaurin, and that's Antonio Gibson. I don't think what we saw last week from Antonio Gibson was a fluke. Maybe it was, but I don't think it is. I think that's what this guy can actually be in the NFL. Put the ball in his hands, let him show that, and then in turn, as you get the ball into Antonio Gibson's hands quickly, you are also keeping Kyle Allen and or Alex Smith alive. We did a really good job. We talked about this with Ben. We did a really good job a few weeks ago handling Chandler Jones. He barely showed up on the box score. And I would say that's a win because my fear was that that dude was going to leave that game with three and a half sacks. Something crazy like that. And the offensive line held up. So kudos to them. And their performance over the past few weeks has been solid. I think they've done a very good job. Aaron Donald is a different beast. Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in football right now. Bar none. He is an absolute animal. And he's back on a tear this year. Last year for him was an off year. And I put that in air quotations. Because he was still an all-pro. And he still got 12 and a half sacks. Despite the fact that he was double teamed on a ridiculous, ridiculous number of snaps. I'm thinking it's like over 70% of snaps he was double teamed. And he was still able to come away with 12 and a half sacks. He already has three and a half this year. The dude is playing like an animal. Keep him away from the quarterback. If that means quick plays, quick slants, we love a quick slant to Terry McLaurin. Get the ball in the hands of Antonio Gibson. Do whatever you have to do to stop Aaron Donald from getting to your quarterback. And I think we'll be fine.
I'm almost willing. I'm almost willing to go back into super optimistic mode in terms of the predictions here because that's that's the time. It's prediction time. You know, the keys to the game, attack Jaron Goff, force him to make some turnovers, get the ball in the hands of your playmakers, and then keep your quarterback alive. I hope, I hope we don't see any of Alex Smith. I think things are going the best if we don't see any of Alex Smith. I think at the very least, here's what I'll say. This is less of a bold prediction, but more of what I think is accurate. If you're a betting man or woman, I think the football team covers the spread. I do. Especially if the spread is crazy. Hold up. Let me pull up the, the spread that, that I'm looking at now here. Because some of these NFL spreads have gotten way too college for my liking. You'll see college spreads. It'll be like 30 points, which is just absolutely stupid. Like a 30-point spread is utterly ridiculous, but then it also sometimes gets covered in college because the discrepancy in talent is crazy. Well, right now the spread is plus 7 for the Rams, or minus 7, plus 7 for us. I think that spread gets covered. I think this is going to be the closest game that we have played so far you know, other than that Eagles game. But even still, this might be closer than the Eagles game. And I do think, I can't do it. All right, I, I think the Rams win. I think the Rams win. I, I can't, I, I just can't see Kyle Allen picking up the victory here. So I think the Rams end up winning this football game. But I think the football team covers the spread. And I do think Jared Goff, who has two interceptions on the year, my guess is that number gets higher this weekend. I don't know who's going to pick him off. But I do think I do think we get to Jared Goff. I do think we pick off Jared Goff at least once, maybe twice. That's the bold prediction. All right, that, there it is. There it is. Let me know yours at Denton underscore day on Twitter. Looking forward to the, to the matchup this weekend. Really looking forward to Terry versus Jalen Ramsey just so I can brag to all of my friends and to all the people on the internet about just how great of a wide receiver Terry McLaurin is. I'd love to know what you're looking for. Again, at Denton underscore day on Twitter. Let's have some fun. Let's watch the game this weekend. Let's talk that talk on Twitter. And I'll be back on either Monday or Tuesday with the, the reaction pod. I'll see you then. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.